You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Inspiring women, bold vision, and powerful insights to help you use speaking to build a thriving business. This is Speaker Success Podcast, brought to you by Women Speakers Association. Now, for today's show. And welcome to another episode of Speaker Success Podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen and creator of podcastingwithpurpose.com podcast training. Now, according to Gallup Report, State of the American Workplace in 2017, 22% of employees strongly agreed that the leadership of an organization has a clear and direction for the organization. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you have a clear direction for your company? And as a leader of your business, how well do you understand yourself? Because according to my guest, the most important step in improving leadership effectiveness is understanding oneself. And joining me on today's show is Dr. Catherine Hayes. Catherine is the best-selling author. She's a certified executive coach with the Leadership Circle Profile and the Collective Leadership Survey. She's an authorized and certifies Rizo Hudson Enneagram teacher and International Enneagram Association, IEA, certified professional and accredited teacher. She is a speaker and, of course, a highly regarded influencer in the leadership field. What an honor we have her to have her on the show. So she uniquely blends her leadership coaching and group facilitation against the backdrop of the Enneagram, and she offers insights and opportunities beyond typical corporate assessment tools. Now, as a compassionate, masterful partner to leaders, she guides them to ignite personal and organizational transformation that optimizes team collaboration, cohesiveness, and productivity in the workplace. Now, on today's show, Catherine's going to share tools for leadership development. She's going to help us get a deeper understanding of the Enneagram as well as the Enneagram as a tool for leadership development. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. That was quite an introduction and, and obviously you've got so much depth and wealth of expertise that we're going to be able to tap into today. But it's interesting, the uh, statistic that I shared according to the Gallup report, I mean, 22% of employees strongly agree that the leadership of an organization, there, there has to be that clear direction. And as leaders, we often don't have that insight or self-awareness of ourselves and, 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 you know, obviously what we bring to the table. And that can cause all sorts of disarray and, and also low morale in, in the organization too, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes we refer to this as an unintended impact, whereas leaders, we may have, you know, an intention of really being open and communicative and non-reactive, and yet we have to listen to that feedback. So yeah. if the feedback is that our impact is not what we intended, it's really time to take a look at that and make some some changes. Yes. And I know as business owners and leaders of our business, there's so many different things that we need to work on and in and taking time to gain that self-awareness or work on ourselves as the leader of our business is something that we often put on the back burner. So today, people, put down whatever you are doing and focus on this because it's so important how we impact or, or the way in which we relate to our team and just our personal style and how we show up as a leader in our business impacts significantly, even if we're not aware of it. It does, the, the output of our, of our team and, and obviously the efficiency. Let's talk about some of these tools for leadership development. What insights do you wanna to share today in this area? Well, I think one of the, the tools that I find really helpful, um, certainly the Enneagram, but 
even their leadership circle profile, which is one example of a 360, it's a very robust um, and a tool that's been well researched and well validated. Mm -hmm. It helps uh, people to get feedback in an objective way from people that they work with to show some patterns. Mm -hmm. And also what this tool does is it also compares a self-assessment to the team's assessment. So what I do is I use that and then I, it helps to hone in on, well, what are the areas that need improving? Is it communication? Is it your um, style in terms of being one who's micromanaging or mm -hmm. one who's more passive? I then come in with the Enneagram and help people to really understand with a lot of compassion, no judgment, mm -hmm. what their leadership style is. What are their inherent strengths and what are some of their blind spots? We all have blind spots. Yes. So shining the light on those blind spots in a way that is going to shift that leadership impact to one that is much more creative and resourceful and expansive instead of one that is contracting and reactive. Yeah. Let's talk about something that often as leaders of our business, but even in individuals, it can be very daunting to get feedback from others because some of the feedback that we do receive, we may not be aware of, but speak into some of the the outcomes that have been generated, even you know on a broad scale, because the outcome and what can be achieved through just being aware of some of the reactions and some of the things that we do that can be inhibiting our team and, and causing them some stumbling blocks. Once we're aware of that, the outcome and the output of our team and so forth can be so much so that I'm sure some of the people you've worked with, Catherine, go, I wish I'd have known this or someone would have been brave enough to have shared this with me years ago. But speak a little bit in, into this because I think as leaders, we can be a little bit hesitant as to, to, to offer the opportunity to, for people to give us feedback. I think that's, that's so true. Um, and yet feedback is, I look at it as a gift. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really an opportunity for us to, to see, as leaders, we want to have a positive impact. We want to be able to um, empower the people that we work with, inspire, and, and have a productive, cohesive workplace. But if that's not happening and people are afraid to tell us, we're not going to grow as an individual or an organization. So what I, I really use a very compassionate lens with feedback and, you know, we, um, we've been really conditioned to believe that all of our success comes from our intellect. Yeah. But yet, there are other aspects, such as our compassionate co communication, our connection with others, our, you know, connecting to our inner wisdom mm -hmm. and using that as a guide. So it's not always, I tell people, there are wonderful leadership books out there, and I encourage people to read them. But it's also so important and more important to really come back to themselves and learn about themselves. Yes. You know, so often uh, we'll read through books and we'll go, yep, got that, got that handled, got that handled. However, in actual fact, our perception is quite different to what's happening in the workplace. I'll share an example because this really uh, allowed a leader to recognize, my goodness, I had no idea that I was impacting the team this way. So she was a leader of a, of a small team and she was the kind of leader that wanted to take everything on board and make it all smooth for her team to be able to do their roles. So what she would often do would close the door and sit behind that closed door and problem solve, handle all of the issues that arose. 
Now, she did that, obviously, um, without sharing to the team what she had been doing. Now, the impact when they gave her feedback was that she was unapproachable. She often, she had the door closed all the time, so they felt that they couldn't go in there and disturb her. And when she realized that that was the perception that she had created through doing that, wanting to create an environment where the team could work, she realized, you know what, I, I need to be more open and share that with my team. So there may be, as leaders, things that we are doing to try and make it easy for our team, but actually the perception that the team is getting is completely different. Do you find that happens a lot? That is such a beautiful example because that's exactly what I mean by unintended impact, that yeah. someone who has the best of intentions, but yet the impact is that people are not feeling heard, seen, empowered. And that particular personality type on the Enneagram is most likely what we call the peacemaker. These are people that don't want to rock the boat. You know, they want to keep the peace and harmony at all costs, which is lovely and a, and a laudable goal, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes we have to really have those difficult conversations or give the feedback or point out things that aren't working. But when we do that in a collaborative way and in a way that invites others to participate, we are empowering them. Yes. So we empower them and we show that we don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. Nobody does. Yeah. Right? So it invites that team collaboration. Yeah. And, and so I, what you described is very common. Mm. Something you said, and I want to pick up on that, because so often as leaders, we feel or we assume that we need to know all the answers. And I think, you know, if I think back to some of the leaders that I worked with and really respected, they were the leaders that took direction when they needed to. But also, if they didn't know, they would come together and say, let's collaborate, let's brainstorm and really leverage the expertise, the talents of, of the team. And there was a real deeper level of respect that I, I gained for them. Speak a bit about that, because so often we assume I'm the leader, I need to know and have all of the answers, but we don't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember doing a, a year-long leadership training program, and it was actually, even though it was a leadership training program, it was really more about you know self-reflection and self-discovery. And one of the exercises that we did was we were all blindfolded, and we were in this roped-off area. It was outside, lovely grassy area. So we didn't know that there was no break in the rope. We had to figure out how to get out of that roped-in area. Now, to fast forward this, the only way to do that was to ask for help. And if you didn't ask for help, you were stuck there. Mm -hmm. Now, the second step was if you somehow figured out to ask for help and then the rope was opened for you and you were able to get out and take off your blindfold, the second step was, do you want to stay out here and help the others or do you want to go back in and put your blindfold back on? So ideally, a strong leader is able to ask for help and is also able to keep that blindfold off so that they can bring others out outside of those ropes as well. Mm. So being able to ask for help is actually a tremendous asset for a leader. I would even say it's an absolutely essential mm -hmm. as asset of a leader. Yes. I think as a leadership um, or, or as a leader, we can all have our own assumptions or predeterminations of what a leader is and who we need to be and, and show up. So what would you define, having obviously worked with many leaders over the years, what would you define as, as a leader? Yeah, that's it's a great question. I often, when I teach this, I often say that, you know, leadership is something that it's often hard to put into words because we know it when we feel it. It's like world peace. How do we define that? But I would say a leader is one who inspires others, who is non-reactive, 
who is really a, a, a great listener, a great collaborator, who can bring the group forward, but does that in a way that's inspiring and inspires others to move along with him or her, yeah. not managing or directing them, but in leading by example, being a role model mm -hmm. for what they want to see in their team. Yes, I love that explanation because, you know, a lot of women who are in their own business and, and obviously overseeing other people if they've got a small team, but even in the workplace too, so often they don't recognize themselves as leaders or even putting themselves forward for promotions and so forth. Yet some of the qualities that you've just mentioned for women, you know, that compassion, the collaboration, seeing the best in others, encouraging, influencing through conversation are often innate, you know, innate characteristics and strengths that so many incredible women have. So speak a little bit before we dive into the Enneagram because I really want to, to help people understand that a little bit deeply. We all bring different, and you mentioned this earlier, through some of the tools, the leadership development tools that you use, there are different styles of leadership and different strengths that we have as leaders that we bring to the table. Now, we're not able to leverage those strengths and really bring them forward with intention if we don't recognize what they are. So share a little bit about some of the outcomes that you've seen when we recognize that as a leader, these are some of the key strengths that I have, which are quite different than other leaders, and how we can start to leverage that in the way in which we approach our team and obviously our work. What are some outcomes you've seen? Yeah, some of the outcomes I've seen is um, I've seen leaders who are feel like they're stuck in terms of motivating the team. And so one example I have is someone who didn't realize that he, because he was a very bright person and he was always kind of a few steps ahead of everyone in his thinking, that he didn't realize that the impact of that was people felt that he was aloof and unapproachable. When I worked with him on that and helped him to see that when you're so far ahead of everyone, it's time to like slow it down and open the conversation, invite the feedback, invite the collaboration. Once he started to do that, the team really started to rally around him more, started to get energized and feeling like, yeah, we're in this together and we together we can make the differences and the changes that we want to see in our organization. Yes. Yes. And it becomes so much easier for him just realizing I need to slow down, need to open up the space for them to feel comfortable and safe to be able to share and just to brainstorm. And again, it, it takes all the pressure off. We just need to, to, to have a couple of these strategies and uh, allow the team to step forward. Because I think when we create an environment in, in, in that way, that it brings out the best in everyone, doesn't it? And when we collaborate and unite the best of the best to really start achieving goals that we'd only hoped and dreamed and planned for uh, previously. Is that something that you see often happen in teams once they do really connect that way and collaborate that way? Absolutely. And um, you quoted a statistic from the Gallup report. There's another really kind of stark statistic from that report, and that is that only about 33% of workers in the United States feel engaged at work. Well, if, and, and they, they go on to say that uh, they estimate that that costs companies between 450 and $600 billion a year. So if people are just coming in and punching a time clock, not of being invited to use their creativity and their genius, because everyone has something to contribute, yes. then they're just, it's a job. It's not, they're not part of something. Mm -hmm. So the more we can bring people in, 
the more we, you know, it's synergy. One plus one equals three, right? Yeah. When there's synergy. Yes. We, we really complement and augment one another. Yes, so true. And the environment uh, is one that is conducive for all. I mean, you can cut the knife, can't you? And that's a saying that we so often hear, uh, cut the knife in an environment where people are not getting on with one another, there's conflict, mm -hmm. and you know, looking at uh, just the output, that your team is not working to the best. But let's dive in and talk a little bit more about how the Enneagram fits over that beautifully. But share with us, the Enneagram, for people who have not heard about this before, what tool is it? Okay, so um, the Enneagram is actually, um, it's very fascinating. It's actually based on a very ancient wisdom. It's not any new age, woo-woo psychology at all. Mm. It goes back to ancient Egypt and Greece. And actually, the person who um, brought it forth into the modern world is uh, George Gurdjieff, a Russian philosopher. And the way he described it was, is a map of the human psyche that can liberate us from our suffering. Mm -hmm. So we all have these ways that we tend to, react and see the world and again and again and again the Enneagram helps us to shine the light on their nine personality types so what is our particular personality type not to put us in the box but rather to get us out of the box mm -hmm. of our personality and help us to to really uh, exist from a much more expansive sense of who we are yes so it's a very ancient tool. Yeah, I love that. And so now using that Enneagram as the tool for leadership development, what are some ways that you're incorporating that understanding then of the, the nine different personality types and where we fit? How are you then leveraging that to really enhance leadership development? Yeah, so I help people to see, and I was just today with this wonderful team meeting with them one-on-one -on -one and seeing the various different personality styles that each of them had. Mm -hmm. So number one is I help them to see what is their personality style? What are some of the inherent gifts that they have and what might be some of their blind spots? I also help the team to see in a very respectful and compassionate way the types of one another so that they can really weave that in to how they work together, mm -hmm. understanding that perhaps this is a sensitive spot for this type. For example, I'll give you an example, type one, often called the perfectionist or the reformer the judge they have a tendency to want to be good and to do things right and they have a tendency for perfectionism but what's underlying that is a very unconscious fear that they're not good in some way so if we then bring that into our you know knowing of that person because sometimes they can be taskmasters nothing's ever good enough yeah. but now we have that compassion oh that's because they have a sense that they're not good enough it helps us to relate to them in a different way, and it helps them to have a more compassion for themselves. Yes. So they're not putting all that pressure on themselves. Yeah, that's just one example. Yeah, amazing. I, I think also too, as as a leader who is often then managing different uh, team members, recognizing that you might be one of the personality types. But you've got several different personality types on the Enneagram too, and saying that. Um, each has a different preference in the way that they're communicated to. So you might then communicate in a certain way. Say you're direct. So who would be more the direct? Because I'm quite familiar with the disc. So the direct person who mm -hmm. just says it mm -hmm. how it is. What, mm -hmm. what personality type would that be on the Enneagram? So most likely those would be the type 8 and the type 1. So mm. I just described the type 1, yes. the reform of the perfectionist. The type 8 we often refer to as the challenger or the boss. Yeah. 
And again, each Enneagram type has an underlying uh, sense of something that's missing from, think of an infant, you know, you have an infant and everything's perfect and pure and yeah. all these beautiful gifts are there. As the personality develops, there's a, a kind of a disconnect from those pure essential qualities mm -hmm. and the personality is trying to recreate something. Mm. So in the case of the type eight, personality is trying to recreate a sense of strength and to regain a sense of control. Mm -hmm. So the personality operates under this fear that they're, they don't have control. Yeah. So what do they do? They need to be in control. They need to be in charge. They need to be the boss. They need to tell you what to do. Yeah. When they're at their best, they're actually incredible leaders because that relaxes, but that strength is there. Yeah. But they also have a very open heart. Mm -hmm. So they're amazing leaders. When they're aware that that's what they're doing, what I can help them with is to really step into that leadership that yes. they have inherently yeah I love the way that you've shared that because so often there may be a strength that we have but when we overplay that and that really is triggered by that well I sometimes refer it to that shadow side or what you mentioned was something that happened that they overplay that and that can become a weakness a leader can become overbearing overpowering too direct and I'd imagine then that you've got someone on the opposite scale of the Enneagram who is very soft-spoken so if you've got someone who is really almost barking uh, but to a direct person number I'm I'm just sharing information and just telling you how it is but for someone who is more of a soft-spoken that can be so confrontational and wow. it's very difficult to work in an environment where we're worried and we're seemingly walking on eggshells because we don't know when that leader is going to come out so what are some ways then I mean obviously we're only just scratching the surface but recognizing then the, the typical styles that we have and then being aware of and being able to adapt to say some of the other styles it's being that there's nine there do some overlap then on, on some of the approach so that you've got some people who are, tend to be more direct say how it is that's fine and others you want us to you want to kind of move in gentle be gentle at the initial moments of the the conversation are there similarities I guess is my question across the Enneagram and how we approach people absolutely so one of the things that comes to mind when you ask that question Emery is um, how we deal with conflict yeah. and there's always some conflict that comes up whether you know it could be simple disagreements or it could be larger you know issues that need to be addressed so we divide the Enneagram types into these three groups. One is the positive outlook types. One is what we call the emotional realness types. And one is what we call the competency types. So let me just quickly walk mm -hmm. through those. The positive outlook types will bring to the conflict what's working. Let's say the company is going to take a new direction. Positive outlook types will say, well, we've been so successful. We work really well together. Look at all the clients we've helped. They're not looking at the issue at hand mm. they're talking about what's working okay so that's it's helpful but in and of itself it's not going to solve things the second and those are the types two seven and nine mm. the helpers the enthusiasts and the peacemakers fall into that category the emotional realness types they want everything on the table so let's talk about everything mm. these are the types four six and eight the four we call the individualist the six the loyalist and the eight as i just described the challenger. Mm. They want to make sure that everything is being discussed. Don't leave anything unspoken. That's kind of what you were just saying. Yeah. The third type are the people that just want to get it resolved. So they're not going to bring in the positive outlook. They don't want everything on the table. Let's just get this resolved, right? <laughs> yes. Here's the trick. We actually need all three perspectives. Mm. Now, as one individual or even two individuals, at the most, we can only bring in two perspectives 
perspective. Yeah. Sometimes we even just bring in one. Here's the trick. If someone brings in that third perspective, so if, if we have someone who's a positive outlook type, we know that we need, we need to get things on the table. We can still bring that positive outlook, mm -hmm. but we've got to address what's in front of us. But then someone has to have the goal of getting it resolved. So it's a magic formula, yeah. having all three. Yes. And what I help people in organizations is to see what is their team made up of in terms of types, what might be something that they might be heavily weighed in and, and more lightly weighed in mm. to try to bring that balance to yeah, conflict so resolution. True. Yeah, so, so true. And I imagine if you do a, a bit of an audit on your team and you realize that through the blend of the, the different personality types and the Enneagrams who are there, that there is one missing, you would have to make sure then that that is, is something that you do bring in to the team meetings and the discussion if you've identified, well, actually, we don't have someone who, who speaks positively. We're all talking about what went wrong and how can we resolve this. But we forget to take a step back and, and pat ourselves on the back and say, look, this was a really good job in, in these particular areas. So you've talked about the three types. Are there any other things with the Enneagram that uh, you want to share today that, that is an overview so we can deepen our understanding of what sounds like an incredibly amazing tool? It really is an incredibly amazing tool. It's a very, what I love about the Enneagram is, first of all, it's very rich and very deep. The, the focus of it is really transformation. Mm. It's getting us out of our habitual patterns. Um, it's also one that um, has a lot of compassion embedded in it. So it's no judgment, no mm. labeling. Um, and it really is about helping people to really bring their best self forward at, in, their, in their life and certainly in their work. Yeah. So one of the things I would say is, um, you know, one of the other groupings we have, uh, it, what I just described to you is what we call the harmonics grouping. Another grouping is called the Hornavian, um, named after Karen Horney, a psychologist. Mm. And these are, um, the groupings would be a dutiful, people who are dutiful. These are the types one, two, and six. The one is the perfectionist reformer that I described. Two is the helper. Six is a loyalist. These are the people that are going to get the job done and they're going to get it done well. You can mm -hmm. count on them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another grouping we call the withdrawn types. These are people that in different ways kind of check out a little bit. So that's the type four, the individualist, five, which we haven't discussed, the investigator. These are people that are very, very bright, deep thinkers, but they often hold back. Yeah. They often don't contribute to the discussion because they tend to be shy um, and the type nine, those are the peacemakers. They don't want to rock the boat. Mm. So those three types tend to be more withdrawn. The assertive types are the types three, seven, and eight. The three are the achievers. These are the success-oriented folks. The sevens are the enthusiasts. They have a great enthusiasm for life. But they also, they don't suffer fools lightly. Yeah. They really, you know, want to step in there. And the eights, as I described, the challengers. So all three of these types will be direct, as you talked about with the dip. They're the ones that are going to tell it like it is. Mm -hmm. So if we know that about each other on the team, we can have a little bit more compassion. For example, with the withdrawn types, we might try to invite them in more. Mm -hmm. With the assertive types, if if it's crossing any line, we might say, okay, I hear what you're saying. You know, gent a little more gentle, whatever, you know, needs to happen. With the dutiful types, sometimes they put so much pressure on themselves to get the job done and get a job job done well, we can help to maybe take some of that load off of them. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, brilliant, brilliant. And of course, we've only just scratched the surface, but I, I am just, I love all of that self-awareness. I think, you know, we can make better decisions. We can encourage um, the best out of people and we know how to approach different, uh, yeah, different situations. You know, the other day, my husband and I were talking and he is a very direct person and I do like to keep the peace. But if I'm saying something that, or sharing something and I want to be heard, I mean, I have a loud voice as well. And it was funny, he said, you know, in this argument, I said, I'm not arguing, I'm just sharing my point of view. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> but when you know things about people, you know how um, how to re react and respond to ensure that the conversation is one that is an outcome that doesn't, you know, like, oh, I'm going to win and, and the other person's going to lose. Because let's face it, if we're talking about our team, we want the best for everyone, that they can come away. And even if we've got to agree to disagree, but let's come up with a solution that is going to work for you so we know that the outcome that we're wanting to achieve is done. And I think being aware of yourself, and others uh, is, is going to get the best out of everyone. Catherine, it's been such an honor speaking with you today. Share how people can find out more and the type of work that you do so that they can connect and connect with you. Thank you. It's really been a joy for me to be here. Uh, my website is catherinehayescoaching.com. People can reach me there or Catherine at catherinehayescoaching.com. I recently wrote a book about my journey personal journey with the Enneagram and the work that I do now. And it's called Everything's Going to Be Okay, which actually comes from a message I got as a little girl and that stayed with me throughout my life. And the Enneagram uh, has been a huge influence in my life, in my leadership and in my personal life as well. Yeah, wonderful. And of course, we'll put uh, all of those details in the show notes. And again, Catherine, it's been such an honor. And uh, thank you for sharing your insights today. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Speaker Success Podcast, brought to you by Women Speakers Association. If you're ready to share your message in a bigger way so you can build a thriving business, get your free Speaker Success Plan at SpeakerSuccessGift.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.